2: This is a good question. I was there into this crisis when genocide began. And I was really dreaming, and I could never believe it, to say this is maybe what we call Armageddon, to say the end of the world. But it showed me how bad we human we can be. The only thing, and I really was so happy that in the beginning, God said, "That let the light be. And that is the kind of things I will tell you at this time is the highest, 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 I say three times, honor I give to your army, the Australian. I was the only doctor left in all this carnage. But the only people I saw to come help me clean the town of the dead body were the Australian army. So you, Australian, that day, God used you clearly. You know, uh,
0: it reminds us how ignorant uh, we Australians can be of our own history. And uh, how humbling it is to hear of your thoughts about our Australian Armed Forces because many of us will not even know the work of the Australian Armed Forces when that dreadful atrocity was taking
2: place. There there was nobody from all over the world, I remember, we were crying to... American uh, National Council of UN to say, please never call the fire home when the fire is beginning. But the UN all left the fire happening. And then when I was given the only doctor to try to clean the dead body in the hospital, who comes? Australian Army? So I am applauding you and I know in heaven God applauded that time. Uh, Your history
0: on what happened uh, with that dreadful atrocity is going to be uh, significant because, as I understand it, more than a million people were killed in that genocide. you did, And as the one who was leading the hospital, the medical director at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, people were bringing the dead and the wounded to the hospital. How do you remember those days?
2: It was horrible. When you see people dead or half dead, and you will see you have no suture, nothing, but you will just push them, squeeze them. And it was not that, because after two, three days, you keep seeing the dead coming in. And here, after I thank you, Australian, I thank to Samaritan Purse. I was sent there by Samaritan Purse belonging to Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, the best prophet American of the 20th century. And I was so uh, touched by God and myself, I felt humbly that God is trying to use me, nothing to try to see, to be the witness of all these dead bodies.
0: Now, after all of the tragedy of that genocide began to settle, you and your late wife moved to the Democratic Republic of Congo, And you went from Rwanda to Congo and the medical facilities in Congo uh, were very, uh, very low, not much to speak of at all. How do you describe what Congo is like when it comes to meeting medical needs?
2: I can say Congo was even worse than the beginning of this darkness because Congo, where the people of Rwanda fled for, it was two hundred thousand people living in Goma town, but uh, the one million and eight hundred people of the Hutu who have committed genocide became refugees in Goma, and then the Tutsi, having taken the left town of Kigali to them, the all of these Hutus went to Goma, and there again, I remember. People love CNN asking me, CNN is a big American radio, saying, what will happen then? I say, there's disaster after disaster after disaster. Then, because the the Rwanda capital, helped by this Australian army, began to be a little bit, uh, you could livable. I went there to Goma now to try to see the horror again the cholera, because there was no water, no electricity, no facility at all. The first time, and I am again a witness, I have seen 4,000 to 6,000 people dying the same week. There again was the problem of dead bodies. Imagine I could be now mental, (laughs) mental ill to have seen all these horrors, but I will pray, say, God, help me to carry this on. And God really is great. We have got something, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to work. We have been trying to clean Gomat as well of dead. But among those cleaning, we were trying to settle the refugees into tents. What do I see again? I see a tall man, and this was again an Australian guy called David Cohen. He was at least working on the name of TF Fund. I said, God, what are these Australian? So Australian are the angels. When God calls you angels because you bring good news, good help, and I can tell you again and again for 24 hours how angel, angelic you are. And look at this radio post angelically. Well,
0: I'm almost speechless uh, having gone through what you've gone through, and and there's been Aussies there. And when you mention tier funds, uh, you mention Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse. Uh, these are organisations we're very familiar with in Australia. From time to time, mm. uh, we'll have people representatives from those organisations, and we'll encourage listeners mm. uh, to support them and uh, to hear. Straight from you, uh, who has been right in the middle of some of the worst crises of history, uh, to recognize that those organizations have been there and that there have been Australians on hand in those circumstances. Uh, I am certainly humbled and uh, almost speechless, I was not aware of any of that sort of history. And uh, Dr. Joe, were uh, wonderful to hear your thoughts firsthand about those situations. I'll come back to you in just a few moments. Uh, Dr Neil Wetzig, Australian surgeon, who closed down your pa- your uh, successful medical practice here in Australia. Uh, Neil, when you went to Congo, did you go at Joe's invitation or did you turn up in Congo and you somehow or other came across Joe? I mean, what was the connection here in those earlier days?
1: Well, Neil, it, it's a fascinating story and the brief of it is, Joe just mentioned David Cohen. David Cohen was an Australian working for Tear Fund. He came back to Australia and became the head of a mission agency, which was then called CNEC, Partners International, which is now called WorldShare. So they brought Joe out to Australia in 2002, and there was a very persistent lady at our church who invited me to go and meet Joe. And I went to a breakfast in the western suburbs of Brisbane and I saw this man present about the medical needs that he had and how he needed specialists and other people to come and train young doctors in his country. He said that if he sent them out of the country to get trained, they would not come back again. And I was impressed by Joe's passion. You've just heard a little bit of it. But when he's free-ranging and talking in a, in a small room, he really gets passionate. And I, I was impressed by his passion for his country, but also the needs that were there. So I visited Congo in 2003 at his invitation and I saw that there was a great need for medical training. There was medical care being given by people who were not very well trained and I thought we can build into this. So since 2006, I came back to Australia and started talking to some of my colleagues and we took our first multidisciplinary medical team in 2006 and we were going every year. But then... You know, I could see these needs, and I thought that it was a it was a work of God in our heart. It probably took a number of years of God saying to us, "You know, you can do this. You can help people there to train them." That was what I was doing in Australia. Many people in Australia can do this, but not many people are called to go to Congo. So that's how we ended up
0: there. Neil, you are best placed to describe the contrast between what we in Australia might see as standard medical practices and the way our hospitals might work here. When you describe what you came across when you arrived in Congo and uh, ready to do your part and serving God in a in like a call to mission here, what did you see when you when you started to operate and discover that there were lots of inadequacies?
1: Well, just simple things like there was complete lack of resources, lack of understanding from medical staff on how to manage complex illnesses. Um, I've often used the analogy that if someone collapses in Australia, you'll probably find in, in the community a few people who have had some basic CPR training or there'll usually be a doctor or a nurse hanging around. But if someone collapsed in Congo, even the doctors and nurses often would not know how to resuscitate them. So it's not just the resources it was actually the training of how to how to deal with even just the simple basic medical problems that we that we found we had to deal with and that's what we've been doing ever since.
2: a biblical perspective of life
0: culture and current events the 2020 summer series on
2: vision the children in the underdeveloped countries are, become really really rebellious and they begin to attack or all, all the pedestrian and nowadays every lady will be attacked on her handbag and remove whatever and there is no control because the government is completely absent. So when there is no government, when there is a total chaos, what do you do? It is really the job of a church. God was smart. He have given us more than a super uh, constitution. He have given us uh, the Bible to show us the rules. And not only that, the Holy Spirit to teach us what to do with that. And we discover that these young people, we need to love them, and we need to really show them the light in this darkness. And we have helped uh, them to get what we call wamsho. Wamsho means wake up, open your eyes, and see what can be done. And we have been working with this Children and to make them really see the light of Jesus. And we don't convert them ourselves. Whenever we show them the light, it's the Holy Spirit and God who really deal with them and touch them. And we were seeing them being converted, coming to the prayer places and coming to listen to the word of God. We have been convincing them to come and listen to the word. And now we have baptized them all. They are Creating choirs and they are going from street to street to preach others. There was one of them a lie who has become a very brilliant pastors. Actually, many of them were condemned at capital pains, and they will have been able to remove them from those pains. And today they are living for the glory of God. But to do that, we are being helped by you, Australian world share and. People uh, like uh, you pastors, whenever they come, they help us to, to teach them and to deepen the understanding of the word of God. Most importantly, when before my wife died, he had seen a lot, lot of horrible things in the rural areas, the witchcraft. Whenever you come, somebody's dying. They tend to find who did that. Whenever a baby is born with any congenital malformation. They try to make certain it is the wife who made a mistake, and the wife is accused to have been origin of this uh, congenital malformation. So all that we try to fight them, but we said maybe in every village we should create, uh, we call it committee, Nehemiah committee to deal with the local problems, and to try to show people how to behave. But we discovered that there, too, we needed to have a chaplain. We have built the chaplaincy school, and we want really people to help us. Again, it is uh, World Share, United Kingdom, and then you people who have been helping us to create this uh, a chaplaincy school. But we have said all because Hill Africa is about teaching, Let's build something like a Hill Africa teaching school so that we can be teaching the doctors, uh, the, the nurses. We teach, uh, we teach the chaplain, and we teach neonatology. We teach a lot, lot of things that needs to be taught there. And it is, again, the biggest gift you have given to us. One of you have detached himself to come to live with us, and this is the couple, Neil and Gwen. They are living with us, focusing on the teaching, especially the doctors, and practically how to do good surgery because most of the mistakes are made because of bad surgery. Imagine a doctor himself because he doesn't know how to do surgery. He will try hard because there is nobody else, but he will do a lot, lot of wrong. And Nail is trying to teach us the proper surgery. Uh, And, of course, I can, as we say, make you feel a little bit bad because I am praising you so much, but all the praise and (laughs) worship goes to our most high God.
0: Let me come to you, uh, Dr. Neil Wetzig. When you are in this situation, uh, it's all very well to just deal with broken bodies and congenital uh, malformations and all sorts of things that doctors deal with, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's bigger than that because these are issues of the heart that are changing with the Heal Africa ministry.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right, Neil. And uh, the the medical part is just one part of it. One of the one of the beauties of Heal Africa is that it provides what we call holistic care. So they've not just been interested in the medical side, but they've been interested in actually changing the heart of the people. Change is when you when you change something, but the natural instinct of people is to actually go back to what they knew before. And we saw that early on. Transformation is when you change and it stays changed. So that's what we're trying to do, bring about transformation. For example, just talk to you a little bit about this chaplaincy school. We, we see lots of patients come to the hospital who have actually been to what is called the traditional healers, or that's what I like to call them. People would know them as witch doctors, but one of my colleagues in Congo said, please do not call them doctors. They're, the things they do are evil. I'm not talking about um, natural medicines like we we have in Australia. Many of that has a good place in our medical care. I'm talking about some pretty evil stuff. Just to set an example, one of the worst things I've seen is a child who gets abdominal pain. They've taken the the traditional healer. They heat up a fork in the in the fire and then they stab it into their abdomen to get rid of the evil spirits. Mm, mm. I've seen these kids come in with just terrible injuries like this. So I can get very worked up and upset about seeing something like that. But how do you change that? And this is where the chaplaincy school comes in. What Joe's This is Joe's passion is to take someone from a particular village in and teach them about the word of God, teach them about justice and teach them about basic medical things. So they go back to that village and not only can they share the word of God, but they can actually direct people in that community to go and get conventional medical care and and turn them away from the tra- traditional healer we'll call them. So we're not only dealing with the the actual end result of the medical problem, but we're dealing with the heart and source of the problem. And the, the chaplaincy school and i, I can talk about because i think it's a fantastic idea what he's doing is taking people in from rural villages for 10 weeks and they have an intensive course uh, and then they go back they're brought back for refreshers, and they check to see what they're doing and what their impact is in the village but that costs money and you know that's and i'll put it right out there this is this is a huge thing and that's that's one of the reasons joe's in australia is to to raise money for for projects like that that not only deal with the medical
0: issues but have an
1: impact to the heart of the problem
0: just quickly on some of the hardships that you face not only the lack of equipment but uh, the the fact that the power goes out with frequency, uh, the fact that when it rains and there are tropical storms, uh, the roofs leak in many of the building facilities, uh, the fact that you're in the shadow of some volcanoes uh, that cause all sorts of problems from time to time, a few of the hardships that you're dealing with, Neil? The, the light issue is uh, pretty difficult when you're operating. Um, <laughs>
1: I think my record is about five or six uh, power outages during one operation where the lights go out, I have to wear a battery-operated headlight all the time so I can actually continue to do what I'm doing. That's, a, that's just par for course. There are issues. There's a volcano just behind uh, the hospital. It erupted in 2002. Um, you know, a lot of volcanoes erupting around the world at the moment, so we kind of put that out of our mind. So we don't worry about that. We hope it won't erupt. One of the heartaches I have is that I know that sometimes there are patients in Congo, that I could save them, not just me, but I would have other people around me that could give them treatment if they were in Australia and their lives could be saved. That uh, that doesn't happen in Congo. So there's
0: some of the difficulties we cope with. Some um, of the adjustments that you have to make to your own expectations because you haven't got the right facilities, the right equipment and the right uh, ways that you know just having the power on and the, no doubt generation power generation uh, is one of those issues but it's not really uh, available right now that you could have your own backup generators
1: well we've just we've put a generator in so it's starting to get better but even that doesn't always work so <laughs> uh, but mostly it's a it's a good thing I, I just want to say something Joe mentioned a guy called Ellie before Ellie's a very special one of these street boys who who was a thief. And on the streets, and he gave his life to the Lord, and and now he uh, he's very special to Gwen and I because we've become quite close to him. And he, uh, you know, he's leading others to the Lord. He's more importantly, he's actually teaching English. He's an incredibly intelligent guy, and uh, we've been to his house. You know, he lives lived up until recently in a house that was just simply a bit of tin over the top of a couple of bits of board. So when you said about raining. and and water coming through before uh, ellie's house came to mind he's there with his mum and his uh, three other siblings and they do it tough uh that's the sort of environment that people are living in and and you know gwen and i live in an apartment over there which is okay it's one star accommodation it's great and we're very comfortable but when it rains at night we often think what about ellie What's Ellie getting now? He's probably getting sopping wet from all the rain coming through. So that's the environment that much of the population live in. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.